0: Quartermaster Studio presents Brushing Up, a miniature painting and
1: tabletop gaming podcast. Welcome to Brushing Up, the miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast where I, Dan the Quartermaster, talk with hobby industry professionals, community leaders and volunteers, as well as content creators about their experiences in the hobby. My guest on this episode is Dr. Devin Olcott from the University of Warwick. I caught up with her to have a chat about the Serious Tabletop Game Design and Development course on offer to students enrolled at the university and the work that her and her colleague Chris Evans do to help shape the tabletop games designers of tomorrow. And joining me remotely is Dr. Devon from the University of Warwick. And she's here to talk to us about the uh, Serious Tabletop Game Design and Development course. Devon welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me it's great to be here.
1: Uh, fantastic to have you. Now before we have a chat about the, uh, the tabletop game design and development course let's get to know a bit more about you as uh, a hobbyist in this great hobby of ours. Uh, so my first question uh, in the obligatory hobby questions is how did you get involved in the hobby?
0: Uh, So mine was quite a strange one, actually, because I was a video gamer to start with and I went to one of the shows. I think it was EGX or Comic-Con. I can't remember which of them that I used to frequent. And somebody there pulled me over and said, would you like to play a board game? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I was on my way to a meeting at the time, so I didn't have time. But I said, give me the quick kind of mini tour and show me what so I can learn a bit more. And uh, after that, they asked me whether I'd like to work as a board game demonstrator. Okay. (laughs) The the, uh, quick tour obviously gave a quick impression. um, And and I did actually pick that up and um, started and really, really enjoyed all of the board games that I was learning to be able to demonstrate them and... Actually, it became my main um, friendship group, was the group of people that I met through that and through the hobby, and it awesome. was really a big part of uh, my hobby um, bunch, basically, alongside the video games that I initially started with.
1: Yeah, and I, I take it, it's just gone from strength to strength, and you and your friends are still in touch and playing games and uh, experiencing?
0: Absolutely, I was playing D&D just yesterday.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, uh, good. Good to hear that that's still all going. Um, yeah. So I take it from from that you, you see yourself more as a gamer than, say, a miniature painter and builder?
0: Uh, yes, I'd say so. I've done mini painting once and thoroughly enjoyed it, but I just don't have the time to put aside um, to really invest into starting up mini painting as a more standard hobby of mine, although I enjoy uh, it on the occasions I've been able to to dabble.
1: Yeah, hopefully uh, maybe that's something you could look into in the future. But um, my follow-up question there as a gamer is, is there a favorite game that you have or is there a new game that you've recently tried that's really piqued your interest?
0: Oh, my favorite game changes all the time depending on what I'm really into uh, at the moment. So, you know, I think on uh, our website, it says my favorite game is Potion Explosion. Uh, At the moment, I think it's probably more likely to be hmm what have I been playing there's something I've been really excited about recently oh well I kick-started uh, Everdell because I played that at okay. UK Games Expo oh cool so I'm quite engaged with that at the moment I really enjoyed the uh quick game I played of that so that's kind of my exciting up-and-coming possible new favorite
1: oh brilliant I'll have to check that out um uh what's what's involved in that particular game
0: so, Everdell, um, the first thing that you'll notice about it is it's just a beautiful game. Essentially, you've got all these woodland critters and mm. you're setting up various uh, creatures that live in the uh, woodland cities and also buildings. And you're trying to gain resources, be able to purchase those and then come up with the most victory points.
1: Oh, wow. So it's sort of like a, like a micromanagement sort of game
0: yeah you've got limited resources that you can use and then you move through the seasons of the year at which point you gain new resources across the seasons depending on what season you're in it's a very interesting take on the genre
1: oh cool i'll have to look into that. So, so finally for our obligatory hobby questions what advice would you give to someone who's interested in getting involved in the hobby
0: I guess just get stuck in if you know nothing, none of your friends are board game players, then absolutely going to something like UK Games Expo is great to introduce you to things, there'll be loads of games that you can demo and you can try people can show you how to play them. Mm -hmm. And then there's the free play tables if you want to meet people and join in as well as the demos. So something like that is a great way. If not, chances are you've got more friends that are board gamers than you realize. Uh, right. Pop a post on Facebook or something yeah. see who's engaged in, in your area or out of your friend group or, or people that they're aware of to just get straight stuck in, to be honest. I think it doesn't have a lot of boundaries to getting into this hobby.
1: Mm. Yes, sorry,
0: as I meant, rather than boundaries. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I got what you were saying. It's, it's one of those things that, uh, particularly for board games, I, I'm sure a lot of us have grown up with... Uh, maybe the sort of tried and true ones, but uh, to sort of branch out into the more niche and uh, alternate game scene can be a little bit daunting for some people. So um, no, I appreciate your, uh, your advice. There. It's really good.
0: No problem. I'm happy to um, give some advice, <laughs> to bring people into the fold.
1: Yeah. Uh, I guess that's part of, of what you do um, with the serious tabletop game design and development course, which, I guess we should really start talking about um that you you run there up at um Warwick University. So, I guess the best place to start would be at the beginning. Um how long has the, the course been operating and and what kind of kickstarted it because it seems like a bit of a a left field course to really offer it at a, a university.
0: Yeah, it's certainly quite unique amongst courses that are available both at our university and others. Uh, mm. So essentially it's coming into the third year now. We've run it successfully twice
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and we're moving into year three. And it's something that my colleague, Chris, first yeah. kind of thought up. Uh, he's very much a board gamer as well. And yeah. i worked with him in some other areas and he knew that I had experience with the board game industry. And that i was a board gamer myself so he approached me um as having more experience perhaps on the teaching side right. um, and being a teaching fellow in order yeah. to start developing this as a module uh, which yeah. we did so and and it's something that we really wanted to be able to bring our passion to the module but also our knowledge from Uh, our varied backgrounds, not just in board gaming, but I have my PhD in psychology, so I was able to bring the psychology into it. He is head of technology advanced, uh, sorry, technology enhanced learning. So he was able to bring some of his perspective from that into it as well. So it really was a nice way for us to be able to bring our various expertises and expertises Mm. of other people in our department and elsewhere into it so that we can create this kind of full experience.
1: Yeah. Sort of a, like a marriage of that sort of design. And as you mentioned, the psychology behind uh, gaming.
0: Yeah, of which there's quite a lot. Um, I mean, it's a very interdisciplinary type of subject anyway, not just psychology, but there's a bunch of other subjects that really feed into this. So the more that you can bring to the table in that respect, the better.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I guess that leads on to what, what exactly does this course cover?
0: So it's a 10 week course. So we can't cover absolutely everything that you'll possibly come to in game design ever, but we tr- do try to cover um, everything kind of from start to finish. Yeah. So that's beginning with understanding the process of game design, different elements of a game for the people who come onto the course who aren't really board gamers, who haven't mm-hmm. done much of it before. Yeah. You know, we, we introduce them to games in different types and what's available out there. We get them to deconstruct existing games to see what works, what doesn't, what elements do we like. We get them to review games. Mm-hmm. We look at things like uh, narrative and storytelling, we look at players' motivations and competencies, player identity, as yeah. well as the typical things like mechanics and right. then, uh, the technology. Potentially, we then go through things like testing and design and play testing, with a really big emphasis on play testing in these courses. Of
1: course, yeah. And Be then fun.
0: finally, kind of finishing up, we'll talk a little bit about you know what do you do once you've got a game? What are your options? What what's the next steps?
1: Right. So kind of getting people thinking about sort of what they would do if they were put in the position of a games designer designing a game uh, for the for the market.
0: Yeah, and, and that's what we almost have them do. So by the end of the module, they will have created their own full board game, um, which they will be able to have made into a prototype, which they're mm-hmm. able to then play test. Um, and looking going forward, we're looking to have them actually take it to shows to be able to play test like UK Games Expo. So yeah. they can really get that experience. And then once they've got this, well, what are the options to market? What are the paths that you can take to market?
1: You know, right. thinking
0: about things like manufacturing yeah uh, a little bit of marketing which is going to be expanded on in the um, at the moment this is an undergraduate degree level module we yep. as of this year will now have a masters level version of the wow. module which will expand more on the manufacturing and the marketing uh, and things like that as well
1: oh that sounds very interesting and and uh, obviously as you mentioned it with the 10 week course you can only go into so much depth and i guess with the the masters uh, you'll be able to really kind of sink your teeth into that aspect of it, as you've mentioned, the marketing and, and distribution and, and manufacture side of things.
0: Yes, and we're in a fortunate position where we have now met with a variety of individuals and companies who are really engaged with what we're trying to do to help mm-hmm. people to come into the games industry. Um, yeah. who are going to be able to come on board as guest speakers and talk to us about their expertise as well.
1: Wow, oh, that'd be amazing. Um, you, you mentioned earlier about um, the kinds of people that, that come along that some of them have no experience with uh, board games, uh, or gaming, and not to maybe a, a serious level like, like we do. Um, I'm really curious as to what sort of students are attracted to the course.
0: So at at a moment as I said we've got the undergraduate level course and that Mm. is open um, as an interdisciplinary course so people from all sorts of different departments across the university can Mm. apply to take part in it. Uh, We get a lot of people from maths for example, from computer sciences, we also get people from media studies and the humanities, so we get really quite a broad um, group of students that do come along and join in which is wonderful uh, both Mm -hmm. for us and for the students because they they get all these different perspectives it's like a melting pot everybody brings their own strengths to the course
1: yeah I, I guess yeah with all those different perspectives then you you kind of get different sort of uh, results in those games that get designed at the end of the course. is, is that yes something-
0: so what we actually have them do is design their serious game because let's not forget the serious part we want these mm-hmm. games to actually teach something can be educational so we get yeah. them to design their serious game based on teaching something from their home department. So if they do come from physics, for example, Mm. They will have their game teach something from physics, they get to choose who their target audience is, it might be undergraduate degree level students like themselves, it might be younger students who they want to engage with physics at a younger age, Uh, but basically they will come up with something that helps to teach or engage with their subject matter, so we end up with a really diverse set of games at the end of the course.
1: Yeah. Uh, sounds uh, amazing to, to sort of see that kind of process come to fruition and then have all these different, as you said, the disciplines represented in the, the games that the students produce. Um, you, you mentioned that you in the three years that you've run the course, there's now obviously expansion into the Masters, but I'm curious to know how the course itself has changed um, uh, over the past two years and moving forward uh, into its third. What's, what, um, what, what has worked and, and you've kept and what have you kind of it, uh, maybe changed up to sort of get uh, people thinking more about, you know, the science and mechanics behind the games? And, and has there been an influence from the actual gaming industry when it comes to uh, the course content?
0: Well, the timing of the course was very interesting because we'd run it for one year when the pandemic happened and oh, wow. that meant that we had to change quite drastically for the second year mm. because the first time round, we thought best to learn by applying and especially with people who aren't particularly familiar with games so we got them to play games in class and we mm-hmm. got them to do various exercises based on the gameplay that they did Um, They might play a game, for example, and then rate the game on accessibility, on the eight different types of accessibility, for example. We couldn't just put a game in front of them and get them to play it when everybody was online. So we had to change our approach uh, based on the new circumstances of teaching the module online rather than face-to-face. And it will change Mm. again next year because we'll probably have a blended approach where we have some online and some face-to-face. So actually it's changed in content, uh, well, in approach, I would say more accurately, each year so far. Although obviously each time we will make sure that we teach the same main content so they get the same basic understanding regardless of the way that information is presented to them. So I think the main changes have been in terms of, how we've approached being able to put across the learning. Um, In terms of the board game industry impacts on that, I think probably the main thing is in terms of the tech that during the pandemic, a lot of games were becoming more played digitally. Um, Some of them, you know, very much work the same online as they do on a physical board. Some of them have to change because the same rules just don't work. You've got the difference between playing solo and playing in a group versus playing AI. And so we did bring in more kind of about looking at if you can digitize your game. So whereas the first year we looked at maybe the technology from the side of supporting a game Mm -hmm. such as say werewolf with your app that helps you um so that everybody can be involved and one person doesn't have to be the narrator right you know this year it was more about um well if you design your game think forwards if you then have to digitize your game or you want to digitize your game in the future is your design going to be appropriate to do that or will you have to change rules so it's really more about inclusive Uh, gaining in that respect and being able to make it so that you can expand on it through be it expansions be it digitization versions be it that you start online and you're able to then expand into physical um, as some Mm. games have done yes I think that's been the main changes
1: yeah I I mean the the industry itself I mean you only have to jump onto like the Google Play or the um, uh, Apple Store to see that there's now, you know, the apps designed for tablets and, and mobile devices where like a classic example of one of my favorite games being Carcassonne. Yeah. You know, now you can get that uh, on your iPad and, you know, play it on the go. So obviously the, there is that move towards digitization.
0: Definitely. And, you know, Carcassonne online was already available before the pandemic happened. Yes, it was. But it became it much more popular um, I'd expect during the pandemic because more people were having to play online if they wanted to be able to play because they couldn't just pop around their friend's house and, and have a game the same way. So yeah. I think that it's definitely I would have expected and I don't have the figures, but I would have expected no. that digital industry has probably boomed over the pandemic in comparison to the physical.
1: Yeah, Um Definitely, and I, I think obviously that's that's something that's happening across the board in a lot of industries. So uh, the yeah. fact that you're preparing the students to kind of think that way, uh, obviously, um, is opening up a whole new realm for uh, design and, and and development.
0: Potentially, and, and certainly for some students, they might prefer to go the digital route from the first mm. instance. I mean, we yeah. looked at you know you can use your tabletopia or um tabletop simulator for your prototyping mm. and actually you can reach a better, more accessible, expanded, larger audience mm. through prototyping that way than you can necessarily prototyping through physical where you're restricted by who is local to you or who you can get to. So yeah. it's it's great for playtesting as well as having actual gaming um when the game is fully released.
1: Yeah. Oh definitely. I, I think one reading through um, the course content online, one of the things that uh, got me thinking was it's it's kind of like um, I remember my brother doing film studies and and now I just can't go and, and watch a movie with him because he just analyzes it and breaks it down and, and just you kind of, they're just going, look, it's just a movie. I just want to go and watch it. Yeah. Um, do you find that happens with your students that they'll they're now a bit more analytical when it comes to their game experience and can't just – go, you know what, I'm just going to play this for fun? <laughs>
0: well, that hasn't been fed back to us so okay. far, but I definitely think there has been an increase in what games they uh, were interested in compared mm. to before, because, you know, we'd get them to play games that they po- possibly wouldn't have looked twice at, mm. um, that they wouldn't have bothered trying. And because they tried them as part of the exercises we were doing, they actually found a new favourite so I think we probably had the main thing was, was less overanalyzing and more right. broadening of interests.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, it's good to hear that they're still able to get out and enjoy playing those games um, you know, outside of the classroom. Um, and speaking of outside of the classroom, you just touched upon it briefly, but I, I am curious to know how uh, a course like the Serious Tabletop Game Design and Development, um, managed during the lockdowns and, and, and the pandemic, obviously being such a, a practical and tactile course. Um, you know, how do you get around that? And, and obviously it's been a tough time uh, for the education uh, system dealing with it all. So, you know, I'm curious as to how, how you managed to kind of keep it going.
0: Yeah, we, we did have to change um, a fair bit. We had to digitise everything pretty much. Uh, And that meant that some of the exercises just had to be converted into digital format and some had to change format entirely. Mm. It was really a case of making sure that the core learning was there regardless of the way that it was implemented. So some exercises, it was a case of, well, how do we present this in a way that doesn't require them to play the game? Or can we find a way that they can play the game? either synchronously or asynchronously, but in a way that doesn't take up too much of their time outside of the classes. Um, And we were able to change how we approached it while still making sure the core information was coming across in an accessible way that was also still fun and engaging Mm. and impactful. And I think that's a big thing that we had to consider was, well, it was obviously engaging and fun for them when they were in the classroom playing the game. So how do we make sure it still is? when we're online and I think fortunately we're able to find a way um, in order to do that and we do have uh, good resources fortunately with uh, Chris uh, being head of technology enhanced learning so Mm -hmm. we were quite lucky in that regard and he was able to have a team that was able to help us make some things a little bit uh, more interactive for online and digital as well we also started doing some more of the learning videos Um, so we would record short videos that we'd able to put out for the students to have a look at with extra information outside of the class time Mm. and something else that changed quite a bit actually um, which we had done the first year was we did a magazine for the module
1: okay Where we
0: actually went and we interviewed various different game designers game publishers people in the industry and we would create video or voice interviews or written interviews for them and then each week of the module would correspond to one double page in the magazine Uh, and although we weren't able to go and speak to all of these people at events like we did the previous year instead we took a different approach so um, I arranged an interview with one pair um, which was Black Letter Games and we had the students write in their questions. So it meant that the students were able to ask exactly what they were most interested in rather than us coming up with the questions, trying to guess what the students would be interested in. So that interactivity was then increased, although the number of interviews was decreased, it made sure it was more salient for them as well. Right. So although things changed, it yeah. meant that we were still able to keep the level of learning uh, appropriate throughout.
1: Oh, no, it definitely sounds like uh, an innovative way to kind of deal with the, the, the crisis at hand. I'm just curious as to what kind of questions the students asked the, the game designers and what, what response did, did you get?
0: Oh, you're asking me. Um, I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head, but I believe they okay. published it on their YouTube channel if you wanted to take
1: a look. Right. So you'll be yeah. able
0: to see the students' questions and their answers.
1: OK, well, we can definitely chuck a link up for that in the uh, episode description so that the listeners can go and check that out for themselves. Um, so I guess the follow up question there is um, I'm curious to know what was the response like from the students um, uh, as opposed to the first year where it was a bit more in-person learning to then taking it more online digital? What, what response did you get from them?
0: Uh, we got a positive response both times actually and we were quite fortunate that we had a yep. unique circumstance with one student who actually took part both years he hadn't quite been able to finish the first year right. um, so was able to retake the module the second year when it was fully online And uh, it was very positive to hear um, from that student that actually found it very engaging both years um, and really liked the approach both times, despite how different they were. So that was great to hear that we really hit the mark with that.
1: Oh, good. And uh, obviously, as you mentioned, it's, it's given you fuel to then, you know, for this third year going forward to kind of engage on both those different Levels both in person and online slash digital learning.
0: Definitely, and we'll be able to pick the best of each, uh, as it were. So we'll be able to reintegrate that physical playing the games in the classroom, but also Mm -hmm. some of the really good online activities that worked really well and in some cases some were actually better in one approach than the other and we'll be able to take that forward and and learn from that um, following into the third year.
1: Oh brilliant and um, you mentioned earlier that um, you're getting to the point where at the end of the course they'll have the the game that they've designed um, and then sort of taking steps to potentially bring it to the marketplace. Um, But I'm just curious as to how the course helps prepare the students, those ones that are, are actually serious about getting into the industry. How does it prepare them for, you know, making a career in the tabletop games design industry?
0: Well, I think beyond just the helping them to be able to make the best game they can make and understanding what needs to go into that, Mm. it also helps to be able to go through with them what the different approaches that they can take going forwards are. You know, do they want to try and speak to a publisher? Do they want to try and kickstart? Do they want to do some other kind of form of crowdfunding and what the advantages and the disadvantages of each of these different approaches are so that they can really choose what's going to be the best for them as an individual and for their game?
1: Okay. And then putting them in touch with some uh, contacts in the industry as well?
0: Yeah, we've got some contacts um, that we made that we are able to put them in contact with, um, both those that are publishers and those that are there to support self-publishing.
1: Okay. Uh, Obviously, there's different... uh, I guess it's similar to, say, people who are looking to get themselves published in a literary sense. Um, There's pros and cons to being published by an established games publisher as opposed to doing the the self-publishing route. Is that a fair assumption?
0: Absolutely. I mean, depending who you work with and how you approach things, there are definite advantages and disadvantages. You know, kickstarting can be great, but you usually have to have money to put into marketing to make a kickstart successful or any other form of crowdfunding. Mm. Um, And then it's whether you're willing to raise that money or use it from your own funds or if you can find an investor to help with that whereas a publisher you won't necessarily have to have money up front but then you have to accept that you might have reduced um in terms of the publisher will take a cut of that and you will just get a percentage depending mm. on course on how the publisher does their contracts but there are always going to be benefits and negatives of, of the different approaches um, and certainly one isn't necessarily any better than the other it's more about what's suited to you as an individual and as I said your game because yeah. some games are simply going to be more appealing um to crowdfunding or Mm. are going to be more appealing to publishers it really depends
1: yeah i I guess it's it's a while it is a niche marketplace it is one that's it is quite crowded and you really do need to make your mark in it don't you
0: and the market is growing certainly Mm. i think it's it's becoming more and more commonplace and and, you know, although most people that I'd run into on the street, for example, would probably think of it as niche. Actually, it's quite widespread these days compared yeah. to how it was 10, 15, 20 years ago.
1: Definitely. so
0: There's more opportunities opening up and maybe maybe we've got to a stage where the Kickstarter and crowdfunding is starting to become um. Quite oversaturated, or maybe actually it's mm. a good time because more people are engaged with kickstarting board games than have been before. Yeah. So it's um, definitely an interesting point of time that we're at in terms of the board game industry.
1: Yeah, and you're right there on the forefront of it. You know, sort of shaping the next generation of uh, of game designers, which is it must be very exciting
0: it's definitely exciting um i'd love to see some of my students publishing um and yeah. taking their games out into into the world and um I'd, I'd hope to see them there in the future although they probably have to finish their degrees first <laughs>
1: um that for those listeners who are curious to find out more about the serious tabletop game design and development course where's the best place to go to uh, get that information
0: Well, at the moment, uh, they're available as modules to University of Warwick students. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not at the moment something that is a full course that you can sign up to if you're not an existing student. However, we do hope that's something that will be available in the future. If you do want to have a look at a bit more, then you can just search Sirius Tabletop Game Design and Development University of Warwick, and you'll find us quite quickly. Um, You'll be able to find the IATL page. That's the Institute for Advanced Teaching and Learning. Mm-hmm. which is about our module and shows what we look at for the 10 weeks.
1: Brilliant. Well, uh, that's all uh, I have question-wise for you, but Devin, it, it just sounds like such an amazing uh, course. Uh, I wish it was there when I was looking at tertiary education <laughs> as, the, as a younger man, but um, you know what, it's, as you said, that there's obviously uh, scope to expand out and um, definitely would love to uh keep a a bead on that and uh, let everybody know when uh, things like that open up.
0: Absolutely, and our contact email addresses are on that page as well.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time. I I know that this is busy at the start of an academic year, that uh, it's uh, (laughs) all systems go on your end.
0: Thank you so much, Dan, and uh, best of luck to you as well.
1: And that was Dr. Devon Olcott from the University of Warwick. If you'd like to find out more about the Serious Tabletop Design and Development course and check out the Q&A session the students had with Black Letter Games, the links are in the episode description. Well, that's it for this episode of Brushing Up, but please do make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so that you stay notified when new episodes are released. Until next time, keep on hobbying. You've been listening to Brushing Up, a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. If you have enjoyed the show why not follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash quartermaster miniature building Painting. And on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Studios. To find out more about Quartermaster Studios commission painting services, please visit quartermasterstudios.com. Brushing Up is a Quartermaster Studios production with music supplied by bensound.com.